Amen. Thanks to Noah for leading us in worship today and all of our team who do such a great job week in and week out, uh, ushering us into the throne of Jesus where we can worship him in spirit and in truth together. I want to take a moment now to dismiss our children who are fourth grade and under to head upstairs with our leaders for kids crew this morning. It's a time of worship that is designed specifically for them. And so they will make their way here to the front, join our leaders as they head upstairs for kids crew this morning. While they're doing that, I encourage you to turn your Bible. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 this morning. We're going to be working our way through the first two verses. So it's quite the Quite the change, quite the difference between last week and this week. Last week we worked our way through an entire chapter of the book of Romans. We worked our way through chapter 11. And this week we're focusing on two verses. But there are so much for us to to consider in these two verses that in order to do it justice, I feel like we really need to zoom in close this morning and see what Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2 are saying for us. Now, last week we saw this doxology, this, this hymn of praise, which was the conclusion of Romans chapter 11. And I even made the point, my final point in Romans 11 was that when we understand what God is doing, we see that He's worthy of our worship. It's everything that we see in God's movement in our lives points us to understand that He's worthy of worship. In fact, the points from last week's message, we saw that He's faithful to fulfill, He's faithful to His promise, that He is sovereign over salvation, that He has a plan of salvation, He's working that plan of salvation in a way that is good and right and true, and that He is worthy of our worship. And this morning, I want to pick up on that theme of worship again, because as we get into Romans chapter 12, and especially these first two verses, we see that there is this this reference to spiritual worship, that this is your spiritual worship. And that's really going to be the focus of what we talk about today when we think of spiritual worship. But let's think about worship, even just that word for a moment. Because I want to be clear about something before we really dive into that. And, and that is what we're talking about when we, when we talk about worship itself. Because so much of the time in the way that we use the word worship, contextually, we use the word to mean singing, or or we think of it as the time in our service that we have carved out for corporate singing. And that's good, and and I I love singing. I love music. I I love those times that we share together. Uh, One of the strengths of our church is that we sing well together, and so we gather together in, in times like this, I get to sit on the front row in front of all of you, and I hear your voices coming at me as, as you're singing, and we're singing these songs, and I love that. But to be clear, worship is so much more than just singing. It incorporates, encapsulates even so much more than just song. It, that Singing is, maybe we might think of it as a, a, a subset or a a, a method in which we worship, but it's, it's not the same thing. Those, these are not um, equivocal terms. In fact, worship is something else. It's something bigger even than singing. Worship is when we ascribe worth to something. When we, when we, when we give worth to or we recognize. So the way that I like to practically think of worship, I think this is just a helpful way to sort of practically define is when we when we put something first, when we give something highest priority, or we put it in first place, or we recognize its its worth above other things. That's really what worship is. 
And so singing is a great way that we do that. Think about the, the songs that we've sung and the theology that's encapsulated in those songs. The words themselves matter because as we're singing out, we're singing out theology. Even as I stood up after we sang the second song this morning, I quoted from Psalm 121, which itself was alluded to in the song that we sing. We, we, are, we are theologians in the sense that we uh, all of life is about theology. It's about God or, or putting God first. At least that's my own personal bent, my own personal uh, belief that, that really we are practical theo- uh, theologians because our lives are centered around the one who made us, even sometimes, frankly, when we're unaware of that fact, unaware of that truth or ignorant of that reality. God is at the center of everything. And so to the extent that we recognize that He's at the center of things, and we try to align our lives with Him at the center, or we try to put Him first, give Him first place, the highest priority in all things. That's really what worship is. And so this morning, as this text points us to spiritual worship, let's not think of it referring to some kind of spiritual singing. That's not, that's not the reference to spiritual worship. is isn't like some higher form of singing that only a select few could achieve. It's talking about putting the Lord first and doing that in a way that is spiritual means that in our, in our spiritual lives, meaning that in, in recognizing things that are bigger than just even this physical present moment, but in things that are ultimate, that we would put God first, and that's our spiritual worship. Now, I've just kind of given you a summary of what Romans 12, 1 and 2 are going to teach us this morning, but let's read it together. Let's dig in and understand how we can live lives of worship, spiritual worship, as we take the truth from Romans 12, 1 and 2 and put it in practice in our lives. Romans 12, 1 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers. Now, there's a, a formula that Paul uses in his writing that when he's transitioning, he, he often will use the word therefore, and it's, it's a, a transitional type of word. It's referencing that something has happened, something has taken place, and now he's He's building on that, but he's transitioning into or, or changing direction into something else. So he's shifting gears. That's what's happening in Romans 12. We've just spent three chapters, Romans 9, 10, and 11, talking about God's sovereign plan in bringing about salvation and making salvation available to everyone that we might live in the Spirit. We saw that in Romans chapter 8. We might live lives empowered by the work of the Holy Spirit, even from Romans 5 to Romans 8. We're talking about the power of God in bringing salvation to us, justifying us, setting us free from our sin, enabling us to live in the Spirit. And so, in light of those things, now Paul's shifting gears. And what he's about to do is spend the next several chapters pointed in giving us some practical tools of how we live this out. But the first thing that he starts with in giving these practical tools is he wants to start with worship. And I think that even that is important, right? When we think of all the things that Paul could do, of all the things, of all the ways that he could say that we ought to live in light of our knowledge of what God is doing in bringing salvation to us, making salvation available to us. The first thing he says is that we're to live lives of worship. Even that is important. Romans 12, 1 again. All right, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. 
Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, some years ago, going back uh, into uh, 2018, I believe it was, the fall of 2018, we spent six weeks looking at these two verses. I preached a, a series of sermons, six sermons, focused in on these two verses. There's that much there that we could spend weeks and weeks diving into this and understanding. But today, I want us to, I want us to focus particularly on this idea of spiritual worship. Because again, of how that fits in Paul's bigger argument in the book of Romans, because we're studying our way through the book. So, in light of the fact that salvation is made available to everyone, that God is using even, even the messiness of Israel's rejection of Jesus as Messiah and, and how that has made salvation available to everyone, but God still has a plan that He's, gonna, he's still going to work in the lives of His people. That's what we saw last week in, in Romans chapter 11. So, we, we saw that God is sovereign over salvation. It's all about Him. It's all to Him. It's all from Him. It's all for Him. And that we ought to live lives of worship. Remember Romans 11, from Him, through Him, to Him are all things, Romans eleven thirty six. And so, practically speaking then, as we live in light of what God has done, we want to put Him first. We want to worship Him. We want to offer our lives to Him as living sacrifices because this is our spiritual worship. This is how we honor God. This is how we put Him first. We put Him first by submitting ourselves to Him as living sacrifices, Romans 12.1 says to us. So there's three things that I want us to see about our spiritual worship, okay? Three points. You can see this on the back of your sermon uh, or worship guide where there's a place for your sermon notes. The first thing is this, is that spiritual worship is really consecrated service. When we think about what is spiritual worship, according to Romans 12, 1 and 2, what does it mean for us to worship the Lord and put Him first, to be living sacrifices even as His souls? Well, it's, first of all, we have to recognize it's about consecrated service. Consecrated service. Now, consecrated is something that is set apart. It's something that is dedicated for a specific purpose. You have it at your house. Maybe you've got, maybe you've got certain... Uh, certain dinnerware that you only use when, when company comes over, right? You've got certain plates, you've got certain, uh, certain silverware, certain cups that you'll drink from that, you know, that you, you think, uh, or, or sometimes it's just, it's little habits, little, little patterns. I guarantee you at our house, if someone goes around and starts kind of picking up things and just tidying up things, someone is going to ask, who's coming over? Because, right, you, normally that's what you do. When someone's coming over, you kind of tidy up and, and you pick up. But that's a, that's a consecrated kind of behavior. It's, the, it's, it's something that we do for certain specific occasions. Something, uh, maybe, you've got, maybe you've got your church clothes or you grew up with church clothes, right? Maybe you've even got your church clothes on this morning. You, certain, certain things that you wear on Sunday that you don't wear the rest of the week. You don't wear it other times because that's your, that's your best. It's the best of your best. It's your church clothes that you put on for a special occasion. That's the idea of something that is consecrated. Something that is consecrated is set apart for a specific purpose. And so service, well, we know what service is, right? Service is when you serve. Service is when you, when you do something for others. And so let's put that together. Spiritual worship 
is about service that is consecrated, that is set apart for a specific purpose. In other words, when we, when we serve the Lord in a way that we recognize is holy unto Him, when we serve the Lord in a way and we recognize, Lord, I am doing this for you. I am doing this because I acknowledge that you are first and because you are first and because you are deserving of my best, God, I do this for you. That's what consecrated service is. Something that we have set apart, an intentional decision, a specific uh, action, right? And when we think about that, the first thing that I want you to really reflect on is that that doesn't happen by accident. You don't just stumble your way blindly into a consecrated service. It has to be something that is, that is willful, that is intentional, that is purposeful. And I use all of those words because when we begin to use those words, now we're getting at the heart of what worship is. Worship is not accidental, at least not the way that we're speaking of it. Spiritual worship is willful, it's intentional, it's specific, it's dedicated, it's something that we do or things that we do when we say, Lord, I want to put you first, and these are specific steps that I'm taking, intentional steps that I'm taking in my life. The truth is, when we serve the Lord, it requires a degree of intentionality. Every week around this church, every week around this place, there are people who are serving the Lord, and I get to see it. I get to see it in action. You're teaching, or you're standing at a door, or you're, um, you're contacting other people, and you're caring for them. You're leading a small group. You're working in the kitchen. You're, uh, I mean, we even have people that, uh, that, that they, they show up, and they water the flowers, right? I mean, Kendall Brashears is here six out of seven days a week, watering our flowers, and pulling weeds, and it's a, that's a consecrated service. It's, it's something that's dedicated, that's intentional. And when we do that, here's what I want you to see. That's worship. That's what worship is. Now, worship is singing, yes. And we call this a worship service because when we come together and we study the Word, our heart's desire is to offer this up to the Lord even the way that we study, even the way that we dig into the Bible. We're saying, Lord, we want to do this. We want to approach this with a degree of intentionality and a degree of, of, of purpose here. But I want you to see that it's so much more than just what happens at 1030 on Sunday mornings. This happens in the rhythm of life every day and all day. That We make decisions. We make the intentional purpose to put the Lord first and honor Him and, and, and serve Him it's consecrated service. And so you may think to yourself, well, I'm a terrible singer. How could I, how could I spiritually, how could I have, be good at spiritual worship? I can't carry a tune in a bucket. But you need to understand it's so much more than that. It's so much more than that. You don't have to be able to sing to live a life of worship and to consecrate your service to the Lord. Because God has gifted you in some way. And when you, when you point that to Him, when you use that and you use those gifts and abilities and you, and you say, Lord, I'm doing this for you. I'm serving you first. I'm putting you first with this. That's consecrated service. That's spiritual worship. That's exactly what Romans 12, 1 is calling us to do. When it says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship, isn't it just saying, give God everything that you have? 
The idea of presenting your body, that's just, that means give God everything that you have. And when we're intentional, when we're purposeful about that, that's consecrated service. The second thing that we see is that spiritual worship flows from conscious submission. It flows from conscious submission. So you're not, just as we've seen that, you're, you're not going to stumble your way into consecrated service. It's something that you, that you think about, something that you're doing willfully, intentionally in the same way. It's, it's conscious submission. We are consciously submitting ourselves to the Lord, and that's what spiritual worship is all about. Present your bodies as living sacrifices. Now, he's not literally talking about presenting our bodies on an altar for human sacrifice, right? That would not at all be… No one throughout history has understood that that's what Romans 12, 1 is saying because it's not. That's, that would be a gross misrepresentation of Paul's words. We understand that what he's saying is, give God everything. Give Him your whole self. Give Him your whole being. Give Him your whole heart. That's another way that we might say that. And when we do that, it's about consciously submitting ourselves to the Lord. So, in the New Testament, the word that is often used for the word worship is the Greek word proskuneo. Now, it's actually not the word that's used in the Greek language here in Romans 12.1, but most of the time when, in, in, when the New Testament, you see that word in English uh, as, as worship, it's translated from the Greek word proskuneo. And that Greek word proskuneo means to lay something down or to bring something low. And it's, I love that word because it's a picture of submission. Isn't that what submission is? Submission is something that is brought low or that is laid down. When we, when we give something or when we release something, we submit. What we're being told to submit here is our lives. Not just certain gifts and abilities, but the whole, the whole self. The, the whole picture of who we are, that we would give God first place in every part of our lives. That's what conscious submission is about. It's not that we would say, Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you first in this one specific area of my life. I'm going to put you first in this one specific part of my life. And it's not that we would sort of segment our lives off into different partitions or different portions. Lord, I'm going to give you first place during these certain times in my life, right? So on Sunday morning when I come to church and I've got my church clothes on, we talked about our church, right? I've got my church clothes on and I come and I gather together. That's, Lord, that's when you get first place. When we're singing these songs, when I'm listening to the preacher preach or trying to stay awake while I'm listening to the preacher preach, that's when you're going to be first place in my, in my life. But the picture that's presented here is that in all things, in all ways, at all times, we would seek to put God first. That's what conscious submission is about. That's what spiritual worship is about. It's about putting God first. And then as we do that, look at what he says happens. That we would be transformed. In fact, there's a series of words here in uh, the first couple of phrases of Romans 12 too, that are so important. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Conformed, transformed, renewed. Those are all important words. So as we seek to offer God all that we have, Lord, here's my whole heart. 
Here's my whole life. I want to I surrender everything to you, all my talents, all my gifts, all my abilities, the very best that I have, even the worst that I have. Lord, it's all yours. I want to be completely submitted to you, that there's something that needs to take place that we wouldn't be conformed to what we see in this world, but rather that we would be transformed by having our minds renewed. So that process, not being conformed, but being transformed by the renewing of your mind. What that means is that when we put God first, we no longer want to live like everyone else lives. That's what it means to be conformed to this world, right? We instead want our lives to be set apart. It's that, it's that uh, consecrated service. We want our lives to be set apart for the Lord so that we would be transformed. We would be made different by having our minds renewed. That's the picture of what the Holy Spirit does in us. He renews us. He makes us new as we surrender ourselves to the Lord, as we put Him first place. So it's conscious submission then that leads to, finally, consistent sanctification. So spiritual worship produces consistent sanctification in our lives. Now, consistent, we know what consistent means. Consistent just means something that, that uh, is, is regular, something that we can count on, something that's going to happen again and again. Sanctification, that's an important word. Sanctification is a word that starts with S so that it would fit with my outline, right? That means to be made holy. It means something that is made holy. When, when something is made holy, when we are made holy, we are sanctified. So, consistently made made holy. Spiritual worship produces consistent holiness in us. So when we put God first in our lives, when we give Him first place, what it does is it it changes us, it transforms us, so that routinely, consistently, our lives are, are holy. That we do things that would honor the Lord intentionally, purposefully, willfully, that we would submit ourselves to God, we would give Him first place, and then as we do, more and more, bit by bit, we become more and more like Jesus. It's a, it's a consistent sanctification. It's a process. And, and that's where many of us struggle is the fact that it is a process because we want things that are instant. We want to come to church, hear a preacher preach, pray a prayer, walk out the door, and boom, everything is different and it'll never go back to the way that it was. And the reality is, we come to church, and we sing songs, and we hear a preacher preach, and, we, and, and our hearts are moved by the Holy Spirit, and we walk out these doors, and we walk right back into the fray. And we struggle, and sometimes it's two steps forward and one step back. It's, uh, uh, you know, I'm a little stronger today, and I'm a little weaker tomorrow. And that's the reality of how we live. But what Paul is telling us is that if we will seek to put God first always, if we will seek to put Him first in all things, if we will make the conscious decision to be surrendered to Him, to be submitted to Him in order that we might put Him first, then we will consistently see growth. We will consistently see progress. We will consistently see holiness in our lives because our minds will be renewed a renewed mind is the work of the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 tells us that all of us 
are beholding the glory of the Lord and we're being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. And then it goes on to say, for this comes from the Lord who is spirit. Titus chapter 3 verse 5 says that God saved us not because of works of righteousness that we've done, but according to his mercy by the washing and regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit at work in us as we submit our lives to Jesus in faith, as we put him first, then we live empowered by his Holy Spirit. And little by little, God's working in us. He's renewing our minds. He's transforming us, changing us. So a renewed mind is the work of the Holy Spirit in us. A renewed mind produces that noticeable change in us, that transformation that takes place so that we are no longer conformed to the world, but we are renewed so that we might be able to test and discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Have you ever wondered, how do I discover God's will for my life? How, how is it that I discover God's will and His purpose? Well, the first step toward understanding God's will is to seek His will, right? The first step in knowing the will of God is to pursue it, is to seek it. That's what it means to not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. That's something that we do intentionally. We've seen we do that we do that willfully. We do that consciously as we submit ourselves to the Lord, as we, as we set our lives apart, we serve Him. And so as we seek to do that, then we will begin to pursue and seek after the will of God. But I'll just tell you plainly that if you want to know the will of God, then you need to look to the Word of God, because God's given us His will in His Word. He's given us His Word in order that we might do His will. You see, it's two, two sides of the same coin. He's revealed Himself to us in the Bible so that we might know His will. And so if we want to know His will, we need to go to the Bible and seek to know what the Bible teaches because that's where the will of God is found for our lives. And so the way that we are transformed is by putting God first, seeking Him first, looking to His Word, looking for direction, allowing the Spirit to work in our hearts. And as we do these things, we will be transformed we will be renewed so that we're no longer like the old version of ourselves, but now there's a new version of us, empowered by God's Holy Spirit, submitted and yielded to Him that is more and more like Jesus. You may think to yourself, I don't know. I, can't, I don't know that I can do that. Well, here's the catch. On your own, you can't. On your own, you can't do that. You'll never be able to do that. But it's the product of God's Holy Spirit working in you as you submit your life to Him through faith in Jesus. And again, if I'm putting all the big puzzle pieces together here, that's the picture, right? We saw Romans 9, 10, and 11. This picture of God's salvation. God's sovereign over that process. He's sovereign over His plan of salvation. He's made salvation available to us through faith in Jesus. Romans 10, we saw, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, then you will be saved. Romans 10, 13, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, right? We've seen that salvation is made available to anyone who would surrender their life to Jesus. And God is working through the circumstances of our lives to... to move to, to make salvation available to us so that we might know Jesus by faith. And then he gives us a mission and he sends us out to share that same message with others. 
And so now as we transition into Romans 12, we're looking at practical ways that we live out this truth first and foremost. It's putting God first and letting everything else that we do flow from that. That's what spiritual worship is. It's about consecrated service, complete submission, consistent sanctification as we grow more and more in our faith. I wonder this morning, are you worshiping the Lord by putting Him first? Have you, have you made that, that most important decision to trust Jesus by faith, to confess your sin and trust Him as Lord and Savior, knowing that He will forgive your sins and cleanse you of all the wrong that you've done when you come to faith in Him? Have you trusted Jesus by faith? If there's never been a moment when you have, then it's impossible to do everything else that I've talked about this morning because it begins with faith in Jesus. It begins by trusting Him. And if you're ready today to surrender your life to Jesus so that you might live in a way that is submitted to Him, so that you might put Him first in every area of your life, then in a a few minutes when we respond to this word as we stand and we sing a song, I'm going to be standing here at the front. Brad's going to be standing here in the front. And we want nothing more than to be able to pray with you and lead you through a prayer of commitment that you might submit your life to Jesus, that you might that you might put him first by trusting him for your salvation. So even as we begin to sing, if God's stirring in your heart today and you're ready to submit your life to him, then I want to encourage you that you'd step out and come and and visit with us. Let us walk you through that prayer of salvation. You would say, God, I confess that I'm a sinner, but I ask you to come in my life. Save me from my sin. I want to put you first. I want to make you truly the Lord, the Savior of my life. And then from there, we seek to live for him every day completely submitted to Him, completely surrendered to Him, so that by putting Him first, we might become more and more holy, consistently sanctified, more and more like Jesus as we seek to live for Him. And So maybe God's directing your heart in some way. Can I encourage you that you would respond today in obedience to him? That you would respond by saying, Lord, I understand that you're how you're stirring in my heart, my life, and I want to respond in obedience to you. And if perhaps there's some confusion or some doubt, you know that God's working, like you sense sort of this emotional weight, you sense this burden that you know he he wants something and he's stirring, but maybe you can't put your finger on it exactly. Can I encourage you? That's where we go to His Word. That's where we look for the will of God in the Word of God, knowing that He's given it to us. We just need to to seek. We need to to look for it. We need to study His Word that we would know His will in order that we might do it. And even that comes as an intentional act of spending time in the Word, spending time in Bible study, pursuing God by studying His Word. And so however the Lord might be speaking to you today, I want to encourage you that you would respond in obedience to Him. You would put Him first, and in doing that, you would live a life of spiritual worship. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me? I want to lead us in a moment of prayer. And following this time of prayer, we're going to stand and sing a song together during a time that we call the invitation or the time of response, a time that we we set aside in order that we might respond in some kind of a, a, a way of, of, of measured obedience to what God is speaking to us today. Lord, we, we acknowledge before you this morning that we need you 
in our hearts and our lives. Because when we, when we see the picture that is painted for us in the Scripture, Lord, we confess that, that, that seems, at least in our own power, in our own strength, it seems out of reach, it seems impossible to us. Because when we rightly understand it, it is. We could never be holy on our own strength and our own power. We could never be perfect. We could never be sinless. And yet, Lord, we understand that you are moving in us, empowering us by the work of your Holy Spirit in order that we might be submitted to you. And so we pray, Jesus, have your way in our hearts, in our lives. Move in us as we trust in you by faith. Even now, in this moment, speak to us, Holy Spirit, as we seek to be submitted to you and respond in obedience to your word. All this we pray in your name. Amen.